What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Natalie Han- oh, Hannaford, <laughs> right? Yeah. Gosh, I'm so bad at this. Um, Natalie Hannaford on today's episode. I'm so excited to get to know a little bit more about her and her story. Natalie, I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you'd like. Um, all right. Well, like you said, my name is Natalie. Um, and kind of where I'll start is... Um, when my husband and I met. Um, So my husband and I have been together um, a little over nine years. We met um, at a place we were working when we were in college. Um, And wanting children was something that we had always talked about in our relationship. So um, that was pretty easy when having a conversation about, you know, what you want and is this person the person for you? Um, And kids was definitely always a part of the conversation. Um, so we got married in March of 2018 um, in New Orleans, where we live. And um, shortly after we got married, um, a little less than a year, um, so February 17th, um, I found out I was pregnant. Um, so after five pregnancy tests to just really confirm that, um, I was pregnant. Um, I shared the news with my husband, um, still kind of a little bit in shock. Um, so my husband and I were not actually, um, trying to conceive at that, um, point in time. So this was a little bit of a surprise, but a very pleasant and exciting surprise. Um, so, After we um, found out that we were pregnant, um, I quickly made an appointment with my um, OB to go in and confirm pregnancy. Um, Still kind of a little surprised. (laughs) Um, I remember sitting in the room and she came in and she started giving me this due date and I was like, so I'm pregnant? And she kind of laughed at me and was like, "Uh uh-huh, yes, that's why I'm giving you a due date. And I'm like, okay, well, I just need you to like say it. that I really am pregnant. Um, And there were so many times throughout the process of my pregnancy that I um, was so grateful um, knowing that uh, fertility um, and infertility are something that so many people struggle with. And I was like, wow, like I'm so like blessed. This is so amazing that this just happened for us. So, um, at our first appointment, our doctor actually decided to go ahead and do our first ultrasound because my husband and I had had a trip planned and we had originally thought that I was about nine weeks along. Um, so I think our, um, first appointment really kind of started the stress and anxiety, um, of my pregnancy because it, you know, did not go the way we wanted it to. So um, the first appointment, 
they um, basically said that they could not confirm viability of our pregnancy. And I hate using that word because it just, you know, kind of stuck with me. And I know, um, you know, it's just not a word people want to hear. Um, so that uh, I had to come back in a week to see um, if our baby had a heartbeat. Um, so they tested my levels and um, noticed that my progesterone was a little low. Um, so they put me on progesterone and basically sent me home for a week to wait um, to come back. And um, so um, we went back a week later and we were so excited because our baby had a strong heartbeat and we were so excited after, you know, the week of anxiety um, that had kind of <laughs> consumed us uh, prior to, and our doctor reset our due date and, um, you know, was like, okay, we're good to go. Um, so at that point, I was about um, six and a half weeks pregnant. We were able to confirm a heartbeat, and I was like, okay, Whew, like big sigh of relief. So, um, after that, you know, we went in for our normal appointments and kind of went on, you know, with life. Um, I did experience a lot of morning sickness or all day sickness during my pregnancy. Um, so I was not feeling too good throughout my pregnancy. Um, and I struggled a little bit with some blood pressure issues and actually some kidney stone issues throughout my pregnancy. So I had been in and out of the doctor a lot. And actually every time I had gone into the OBGYN, we checked the heartbeat. So I had so many times that I got to see my baby and so many times that I got to hear the baby's heartbeat. Um, so was super grateful for that. Um, so kind of fast forwarding a little bit through my pregnancy and, um, we were going in for our 20 week anatomy scan and, um, this wasn't done by my regular OB. This was done by maternal fetal medicine, which is just like the protocol that my specific doctor has. Um, so that we were told, okay, you're going to go in to maternal fetal medicine. They'll do your anatomy scan. And if anything is wrong, you know, the doctor will be able to address it with you at the anatomy scan rather than you waiting. So my husband and I are going in for the anatomy scan. Um, I was 19 weeks and three days pregnant. Um, so I was actually feeling really good that day. I had done my hair. I had done my makeup. I had put on my maternity clothes because you could see my bump and, you know, my husband and I were arguing or bickering in the car. You know, we still hadn't decided if we were going to find out, um, the sex of the baby. Um, so we go in to, um, the doctor's office. Um, you know, the tech asked me, you know, lots of different questions, the nurse and, you know, kind of getting a gist of everything. Um, and because I was having blood pressure issues, the doctor was also going to like talk to me about how we would manage my blood pressure towards the end of my pregnancy. And, you know, um, work on, you know, signs of preeclampsia or something like that. And, um, 
so we sat down, um, we answered all the questions and we got ready for the ultrasound and um, the tech, you know, got me all prepped. And when she started to um, do the ultrasound, it felt like a lifetime of her picking up the Doppler or sensor and moving it around and kind of um, trying to find a heartbeat. What I know now is to find a heartbeat. So um, on the screen, I could visibly see my baby, um, but I didn't hear um, a heartbeat. So I think in that moment, I really knew that something wasn't right, um, but I wasn't sure how to process that in in that moment. Um, so the tech kind of looked up at me and said, Miss Natalie, um, I'm not seeing a heartbeat. And I remember kind of just looking at her and then looking at my husband, almost in a way for him to like confirm what she had said, like, did you hear that basically? Um, and then I just remember covering up my face really quickly. Um, and I didn't cry. I didn't actually start crying. I think I was just like covering up my face being like, I just need a minute to understand what's going on. And, um, the tech was like, I'm going to go get the doctor. I'm going to have, you know, her take a look. Um, and we'll see. And I just remember looking at my husband and we were both just kind of like in shock. Um, and the doctor came in. Um, she again, put the sensor on my stomach and then did confirm that, um, our baby did not have a heartbeat. Um, she was visibly like shaken by this, um, the doctor and, um, she kind of said, okay, well, what we're going to do is like, get yourself dressed, take your time. Um, and we're going to bring you in another room and, um, I'm going to go call your norm, like your regular OB. Um, and we're going to like discuss next steps. Um, so my husband and I, um, went into the other room, um, and, waited for the doctor and she came in and she was like, you know, offered her condolences, said she was so sorry. And, you know, that she was really surprised by this. Like, this is not what she was, um, anticipating. So she said that she had spoken with my OB and that, um, I could go and see her, um, later on this afternoon, um, and kind of discuss all the next steps, but that she was here to talk to me about the next steps of what we would do. Um, so I just remember asking a lot of questions of like, how could this happen? Why might this happen? You know, what does this mean for like my future? Like, I don't like, what could I have done? What happened? You know, just like all of these things. I think my brain was just like moving and so like at just like lightning speed. Um, and I specifically remember asking her in these words, I said, do I have to have my baby? Like, do I have to give birth to my baby? And she looked at me and she said, yes. Um, 
I've spoken with your OB and we discussed um, the two options that you have. And she had expressed to me that she felt that your decision might be leaning towards um, doing a birth. And I was like, okay, well, what is my other option? And she said, because you're between 15 and 20 weeks exactly, you have the option to do a DNC. But being that you're just a few days shy of 20 weeks, you can do a full vaginal delivery. And I kind of took it all in. And then my next question was, if I do a DNC, do I get to hold my baby? Do I get to see my baby? And she um, said no, that that was not suggested. And of course, now looking back, I'm like, well, that might not have been, you know, like I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know how these things worked. I had never like even imagined that I would be um, in this, you know, situation. Um, so, um, I didn't even discuss it really with my husband. I, he just kind of let me roll, um, with my decisions. And, um, in that moment I had decided that I was going to do, um, a full delivery. Um, and, uh, I went over to my regular OB. We kind of talked through all the same things that um, we had talked through with maternal fetal medicine. And she called over to the hospital, um, called over to labor and delivery and got me a check-in time for 9 p.m. that night um, and kind of gave me a rundown of how everything would go. Um, so we... Um, after that, came home and, you know, started calling family, um, which was probably one of the most difficult things to do, um, was kind of explain what was about to happen, um, knowing that um, so many people in our family were going to be grieving the loss um, of our child. Um, so I, you know, took a shower and got my dogs taken care of and packed my bags, you know, kind of like just went into this like survival mode. Um, and really my husband was the one who started crying first between the appointments. And like at this point, I still hadn't really cried, almost feeling as if if I let those tears out, if I cried, I would lose my strength to do what I was about to have to do, um, was kind of just how I felt, um, in that, you know, in that moment. Um, so we checked into the hospital that night around 9 PM and we were surrounded with some of our family members, um, who were very loving and caring and supportive, um, and were there throughout my whole um, labor and delivery. Um, so I um, met with the doctors that night. They kind of got us all um, set up and 
you know, the doctor came in and she told me how things would go. Um, so they, she was like, we're going to do a lot of blood work. This blood work's gonna tell us if anything, um, is go like anything in that could have possibly caused this. So a lot of what they were talking to me about was, um, you know, everything finding out why. So, um, they actually took 13 vials of blood and I was like, I asked the phlebotomist, I was like, am I going to have any left like to do this? Um, and he was like, you're really funny. <laughs> like you still have humor. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's, what's going to get me through this. Um, and, um, you know, the doctor just kind of explained how labor would go and how they would induce labor. Um, and, um, we kind of got started. So they got me set up, they hooked me up to an IV and around 10 30 PM, um, I started my first round of medication, um, to induce labor, um, and then every three hours, um, I would be given another dose that I would have to hold under my tongue um, until it uh, disintegrated. And um, I labored for about 12 hours. Um, so I, um, the next morning, there was not a lot of sleep that went on. I did finally start to cry throughout the night. Um, I didn't really sleep. I laid in bed and just kind of processed and did a lot of thinking. And, um, you know, luckily I had my husband and my sister and my mom and my mother-in-law and my in-laws and my brother-in-law and my brother and just like so many people who were there um, waiting you know, for the arrival of our first child and being there and supporting us. Um, so, um, that morning, the next morning, um, around 7am, um, my contractions were, um, becoming more intense and painful. Um, so I had decided that I would, um, get my epidural. I talked to the doctor and she was like, you know, you can do this without, um, an epidural, but like, you don't need to make this any more painful than it's already going to be. Um, so like I suggest for you to get the epidural. So I did, um, it took the doctor four tries to get my epidural in place. So it took a while. Um, to do that. And, um, probably about an hour and a half later, um, the epidural was in, I was all settled. Um, and my contractions were kind of under control and, um, they had kind of explained to me, um, that the baby is small. So, um, I may not need to be 10 centimeters dilated in order to deliver um, and that it may happen very quickly. Um, so around 1030 that morning, um, I gave birth, um, to our beautiful baby who, um, was a beautiful little girl and, um, it was, um, 
actually a really beautiful moment. Um, and it's really hard to explain or put into words losing your child and gaining them like in one instance. Um, but my husband and I did take time to be with her. Um, we're Catholic and we have a wonderful priest who married us, um, who my friend called out to come to the hospital um, and he blessed her and he blessed us and we said prayers and probably three or four hours after delivery, um, we said our final goodbyes, um, which were difficult and gut-wrenching, but I'm so grateful for the decision that I made um, to have her. Um, and I know that the decision process is different for everyone and I support that and everybody does what is best for them. And, you know, I just feel like this was the right decision for me and for my daughter and for my husband. Um, so there were lots of tears and lots of, you know, hugs and love from our family. Um, my husband and I made the decision um, that we were the only ones who were going to um, be with our baby and hold our baby. Um, and the priest would, would come in and bless her. So what I don't think I realized after all of this were all the decisions that we were going to have to make in those 48 hours, 24, 48 hours. So shortly after our daughter was born, um, nurses came in with paperwork and were like, you have 48 hours to make your arrangements. And the gist of the paperwork was we had 48 hours to decide to cremate or bury our child or the hospital would make the decision. Um, so, you know, it's very overwhelming um, to like give birth to your child who you know you can't take home with you. And then you have to like make these decisions on like where to bury your child and like what their funeral looks like and what funeral home you're going to pick. And, you know, I was just like, I don't know what funeral home to pick. I don't know. Like, we don't know this inform Like we don't know. Um, and so I feel so lucky for like our family who just like really stepped up and like, came in clutch for us during this time. Um, you know, family members, you know, my mother-in-law and sister-in-law going um, to cemetery, the cemetery and, you know, my brother-in-law looking over the paperwork and my sister calling the funeral home and, you know, really trying to help us and support us through this. Um, so, um, what I didn't know, um, was that because I was 19 weeks and four days when I delivered, um, is that medically in the book, um, we, I was that I had a missed miscarriage, 
um, or spontaneous abortion or fetal demise, all these terrible words in my opinion to describe um, what happened. So because I was not 20 weeks along in gestation, um, my baby does not have a birth certificate or a death certificate, um, which was something like really hard to process. Um, cause I was like, I gave birth. I did it. Like she was born. Um, she's here. Um, so that was a huge factor in like having to bury or having to cremate and, you know, all of these things that I'm learning. Um, so we were so blessed that, um, the funeral home that we went to, um, gave us a 90% discount to bury our daughter. So, um, we spent about $600, um, as opposed to, you know, way more. And also our, um, priest had told us about a service that men in the New Orleans area, um, who are called the Monday Night Disciples, their mission that they do is to make caskets um, for um, anyone who experiences infant loss or stillbirth or miscarriage. Um, and they do this completely free of charge. And not only do they have, not only do they do the caskets free of charge, there's also a tomb um, that was donated by an anonymous um, donor um, for families to use um, in a beautiful cemetery in New Orleans and um, that it's completely free of charge. So um, my husband and I made the decision that, you know, it really wasn't the money factor why we decided to um, bury her in um, the all God's babies is what it's called, um, tomb, um, and to use the Monday night disciples casket. Um, it really wasn't the money factor. It was the fact that like these people were giving to people in just a time of need that like we would have never known about and was such a beautiful blessing. Um, so we made all these really tough decisions. Um, but in a way we're blessed with so many things through the process. Um, so, you know, we made all these decisions, we made arrangements as best we could before we left the hospital. Um, and we came home to this new life that we were going to lead. Um, the weekend before we lost the baby, we had gotten our furniture in, my mom and aunt had painted the nursery, and, you know, it was difficult coming home. And my mom and my aunt came into the house and took all my maternity clothes and gifts that people had given us and kind of hid them away from me um, because I just didn't know how to process it. I was like, I just need you to get everything out of my eyesight. Um, and, you know, we began the healing process. Um, and things that, you know, I don't think I knew was because I labored that like my milk would come in and my husband had to help me put on multiple sports bras. Um, so it stopped and, 
you know, the clotting that would happen. And like all of these things were triggers after um, losing her. Um, so about 11 days after um, we gave birth, we had um, our daughter's funeral. Um, her name is Collins. And we had Collins' funeral um, with close family um, there, which I have a very large family, so it was still a fairly large gathering. Um, and it was such um, a beautiful way um, to pay tribute to her and to lay her to rest. Um, and I'm just so grateful to my family and friends for being there for us um, during that hard time. And the Monday night disciples, all the men who made the caskets actually showed up at her funeral and played music um, for the final burial right at graveside. And I, you know, I just, I could never have imagined that these things existed. Um, so we did a really hard thing that day. Um, we said goodbye to our child um, and, you know, surrounded by family um, and prayers. And, you know, I just felt like I had to do, you know, as much as I could to, you know, just really like honor her. And I think that having the funeral was really good um, for my husband and I and our family, we wrapped her in a um, rosary blessed by the Pope in a tomb blessed by the Archbishop, <laughs> you know, so we just, you know, did what we could, you know, to just, you know, bury our baby and, you know, find closure for ourselves and our family. Um, so after that, you know, it's been a struggle. Um, my husband and I have, you know, been in therapy consistently after losing Collins. Um, and it's really helped our marriage. Um, we both lost our fathers um, in the year after losing the baby. Um, and I lost my grandmother. So grief has been all over the place. Um, but, you know, I really feel like we've grown as a couple and we're really strong and um, it's been difficult and I still cry and there are still moments where I feel like the wind has been knocked out of me and I don't know how to go through the day. Um, and then there's moments where I find true joy again because I was really worried after losing her that. I would never experience true joy again, um, which is not true. Um, my sister had a beautiful baby boy. Um, my friends have had babies. My friends are pregnant and I find joy in these moments and blessings um, and do my best to, you know, you know, just find joy in the blessings that we have around us. Um, going to work and working out and working on myself, like these are all the things that I've tried to do 
yet keeping her a piece of what I do every single day, saying her name when I want to, when I want to talk about her, having pieces um, around our house that um, represent her and including her in our life has really helped me heal and grow um, and sharing our story with other people, connecting them to the Monday Night Disciples, um, knowing that, you know, you don't have to be Catholic or whatever to, you know, need help during a time like this, donating. Um, I think my mom has donated, um, you know, 20 wedding dresses because that is what they make the lining of the caskets for the babies is out of wedding dresses. So just like really trying to give back and make her a part of our life has been something um, I have really tried to do. Um, and, you know, we're still working on it. You know, I'm still a work in progress. I think I'll miss her every day of my life, um, forever. Um, and after having her, you know, we have recently found out that I have PCOS and, um, you know, that we're having trouble conceiving again and like being, um, an advocate for myself and, um, an advocate for my health, um, throughout this process. And, um, so, you know, I've just learned a lot and I'm still really sad some days and I've found joy some days. <laughs> and, um, you know, I tell people all the time that there's so many things that remain the same, which is, I'm still so proud to be her mom. She is still the best thing that I have ever done. And I'm grateful for that. Like, I'm still grateful for this journey um, because I've met so many wonderful people and have been connected to so many amazing resources that this was a club I never wanted to be in, yet I'm so grateful that I am, you know, through finding different podcasts or just people on Instagram who are sharing their stories, um, or, um, people I've met who've experienced something very similar. I've met three other women during this time, and it's just been such a blessing, um, to be able to connect with other people. Um, especially because there was a moment that I was like, I am so different. I'm such a different person. My friends may not like me anymore. <laughs> and, you know, my friends were definitely like, we still like you and we still love you. Um, but I am a different person. So um, connecting with new people has been really helpful. So, yeah, I feel like I, is the gist. I don't even feel like I have to ask you this, but I'm going to because I ask at the end of every episode, if you have one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be, even though you've given a thousand pieces? <laughs> um, I would say that don't feel like you're responsible for handling other people's discomfort with your Ooh, loss. That's a good one. <laughs> um, because I still often struggle that I make other people feel uncomfortable and sometimes apologize for talking about my daughter or talking about my experience. And I think that it's okay for people to be uncomfortable. 
And I think it's okay for you to be uncomfortable. So um, just realizing that like, you're not responsible for that. Um, and that the only way we're going to change the stigma around um, infant loss and miscarriage and stillbirth is to talk about it. So I think absolutely. I love that. Um, if somebody wants to reach out to you, where can they do so? Um, Instagram. I am Nada underscore Hannaford. Awesome. And I'll link that in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it more than you know, and it's going to help so many people. So you're awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate you creating this platform. Oh, thank you. All right. Well, we'll keep in touch and talk soon. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together. 